When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Very excited about today's show. This is the last entry, the eighth one in our off-season interview series that we've done. I've had a fantastic time doing these. We have four NFL GMs, couple head coaches. I hope you guys have gotten something out of them. I've sure gleaned a lot. And the last one is one I definitely wanted to set up when we were getting this all together. I am thrilled to welcome Falcons general manager, Terry Fontenot. Terry, how are you doing today? Man, I'm pumped to be here. Did you say it's your eighth? This is the eighth show of the series? Eighth show of the series, eighth and final. So we finally made it happen. But yeah, it's it's one of those things. You sit there in the offseason, it's like, what do I want to do? And this was the idea that I had. It's like, I want to see how many coaches, GMs we can get on. And the fact that we got eight of them, I feel pretty good about it. I, I feel like we definitely got something out of this. That's really cool. So, so that's my number. I, I was number eight growing Perfect. up. I was eight in high school. I switched to number 18 in college, but eight, eight's my number, man. So it's, it's, it's going to be a good show. I feel very good about this. So the first <laughs> thing I wanted to ask you, I, I'm always so interested in the places that general managers come from, right? Because with head coaches, for the most part, you're coordinators. You're an offensive or defensive coordinator. You come from a similar world, even if it's a different side of the ball. With GMs, you have people coming from so many different places. Some people come from the salary cap side. Some people come from the college scouting side. You came from the pro personnel side in New Orleans. And I'm curious, as you were, as you've gotten to be on the job and as you started building your staff, where do you think your blind spots were based on your own history as the scope of the job changes? Where did you have to kind of supplement your knowledge as you started to build up the staff that you guys have in Atlanta? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. And, and, and really, I, like you said, I grew up on the, on the pro scouting side of things. And I remember back when I was a scouting assistant and an intern in the scouting department in New Orleans, this is probably 2003, 2004, and there were openings in for entering jobs on both sides. So I could have went in as a as a pro scouting assistant or I could have taken a job as a, a national combine scout. And it was a it, it, these jobs are hard to come by. But at the time it happened, I was lucky enough to be able to make a choice in which route I wanted to go. So I sat down with Mickey Loomis and and we talked about it. And, and I he specifically said, hey, if you want to. If you want to grow into a general manager, taking the pro job and being in the office is probably the best route. Obviously, you can such take, a good point because you're yeah, around. You kind of soak up all that information yes. and the rhythms of the job almost unconsciously. Yes, yeah, so you're involved in, in every aspect. You're involved in the day to day. And then when you're in the office, you're still going to get on the road and you're still going to uh, go through the aspects of the college job and be involved in the college draft and be involved in that. But being in the day to day is a it, it really helps you a lot just being around and because it's about relationships. So you're building relationships with everyone in the building from all the coaches to 
the other scouting staff, the, the everyone in the equipment room, the training room, everyone in the building. And that's what it's all about. The players, you're, you're constantly around. So you, you can take any route. You can, you can go any route, but it makes a difference. Um, I think when you're in the building a lot. So, so that, that helped me a lot. And when, when you're building your staff, I, I think that was really important to me knowing where my specific strength prints were and what you need to add, because the, I think great leaders are, are humble enough to know that you need to surround yourself with, with people that are smarter than you and empower them. And, and that's what I really wanted to do. And if you look at the way we built, put together our staff, we obviously retained a lot of people in the building. The Falcons have a, a lot of great people in the building already before I even got there. But there, we went through the process of wanting to find the best, regardless of if I had relationships with those people or not. I mean, you can look at the like, for example, Kyle Smith. I didn't have I was a gonna ask you about relationship. Him. Yeah, I didn't have a previous relationship with him, but I did a lot of work on him and and, and gathered all the information. Just like you're looking at a player, you're going to gather all the information <laughs> and spend time with them and and really figure out if they're the right people for the job. And, and we really felt like Kyle was the right person for that job. And Kyle, unlike me, he cut his teeth in, in, in the college uh, scouting process and had been running the drafts in Washington the last few years. And he, he's a great evaluator. He grew up in the business. And so I felt like he'd be a great person to add. And we also added a, a guy named Dewan Jones, mm-hmm. who I had worked with in New Orleans. But the same thing, Dewan had, had always worked in, in, in college scouting. So the two people that we added prior to the draft were both people that had always worked in, in, in the college aspect. And we also added Chris Olson in from Houston, to, correct? Right. In, in it from Houston in administration. He's another person that I did not have a previous relationship with always knew of him, but got some great information on him and, and spent a lot of time because I didn't want to, just surround myself or, or me and author, we didn't want to surround ourselves with just people we knew. And we wanted to make sure we got the best good people that were good at their jobs and had the right mindset that we were looking for. And I think we were able to accomplish that. Was there something in the process of talking to Kyle, he said either about what he values in players, the process he uses that made you say, that's the guy that that clicks with me. That is definitely something that resonates with the way I see this entire thing. Well, I think, you know, much like a lot of these, you always really the information that you gather prior to even meeting the people, that's sure. what's most important. Yep. You know, even when you gather all that information and so you kind of know who they are. And as soon as I got around to me, click for me and and look, he's a great evaluator. And, and I know that. But I think just being around him and you know, people have a natural energy and, and this guy, he's obsessed with the process. He's obsessed with ball. He's obsessed with, he, he calls me at, I get calls from him at 10, 11 o'clock at night regularly because <laughs> that's all he does, man. All, all he does is, is, is watch film and, and he likes to play golf too. That's all he does is watch film and play golf. But he's just the, the, the fact that he was so obsessed with the process and he's all about ball that, that really just spoke to me. And it doesn't take long when you start talking to people and you, you get a natural respect for them when you know what they're about and who they are as people. And um, so, man, there was never – I always knew that he, he was, he was going to be a person that we wanted to add. It's interesting because both with him and Chris Olson, you have two organizations that had certain strengths and certain bouts of success in areas, right? Like Washington has drafted well in certain areas over the last few years. Houston put together a pretty good team, but they can never quite figure it out. 
So you're taking these little yeah. kernels of just promise things that have gone well and be like, oh, maybe he wasn't in the right situation, but I know they were doing enough good stuff that if we put all this stuff together as a whole, we feel pretty good about where we're going. Yeah. And it's kind of cool to get people from different places. Obviously, we have that with coaches. You get a lot of different coaches from different places. And then so now we have we have Washington, we have Baltimore, we have Houston talking and we have a lot of people that were still here in Atlanta or from Atlanta and when you get a lot of people from different organizations and you have an inclusive uh, process and you really go through every aspect of everything and you have an open mind and the, the, you want to really drop your ego starting with me. And it's not just about what we've done, the way we did it in New Orleans or the way we did it in Washington. You want to drop your egos and really do things the right way. And we have a head coach with, with Arthur Smith with that type of mindset, as smart and intelligent as he is. He, he doesn't have an ego, and so yet he's always listening and, and, and wants to look for, for, for new and better ways. So it's uh, getting people from a lot of different places and really having those, those in-depth discussions about every single aspect of the process has been really fun. I'm getting too far down the rabbit hole here because there are things I want to ask you. But the one thing I want to mention about Arthur is I've always appreciated and, and looked fondly upon coaches who bounce around with different regimes right? He was with multiple staffs in Tennessee. And I think that allows you to see the game in different ways. It gives you like creativity and kind of a a humility with the way you approach certain things. So I think that makes a lot of sense. There's an open-mindedness because he didn't just learn one type of offense or one way to do it. He's had to be flexible in the way that he's coached, which probably helps the way that you guys communicate. Yeah, that means a lot when when you can do that, because as opposed to a, a mindset where you have this specific system and, and the players have to fit this system or it's not going to work. And it's, it's, that's really not the mindset. It's, it's really, his mindset is, okay, we're going to take the players that we have and we're going to make the most of them. Now, yes, we have a profile of exactly what we're looking for. We have a plan, but understanding that that's not going to always go the exact way. You're not going to always get players that fit in this perfect uh, box that you're looking for, but being adaptive and, and understanding that, that you have to make adjustments. That's, that's really cool with author and, and, and man, he really grinded. I, I know, you know, his story, but he really grinded from the bottom and he's done all the dirty work and, and, and he really has a, um, an understanding of, of, of what it takes in those areas. And, and that really means a lot. I think people really respect that, but, but again, a rare humility and he's open-minded and, and we're just looking for the best way to do things. So when you came in, the previous regime, I think to Arthur Blank's credit, was allowed to push it. They spent to the cap and beyond the cap pretty much every year for the last several years as they really tried to get the most out of that roster. But as you know, in New Orleans, there are long-term ramifications of doing that. And so yep. you kind of take over a situation where the finances are not great. So you, as you were gauging just the entire picture when you took the job in Atlanta, what was the first thing you felt like you had to do? Well, it was really you need to take your time and get in the building first because everyone has opinions from outside the building and it's easy to look at the situation from outside the building and say, okay, these are the steps we need to take. And, and that's it because you don't know. And and that's why sometimes it can be hard for fans. It can be hard for media because you don't have all the information and you don't have all the details of what's going on. And, and and all the, and those things um, obviously, are important in the decision-making process. So the first thing was to, without 
we have our different biases, but hey, let's get in the building. And me and Arthur talked about it. We need to get in the building and really get to know the people here and really get to know this roster and get to know and, and take our time and, and go through the process. And as we did that, we understand, look, the team was four and 12 last year, hadn't won in the last three years. And yet we have a very difficult cap situation that we're looking at. And we never wanted to. I know some people outside looking in would say, hey, you should strip it down and completely go through a whole rebuild. But that's not like if if you know much about myself and where I'm from or much about Arthur Smith and his mindset, rebuilding is not that just doesn't make any sense to any of us. So you're not going to tell me that when we roll out there on Sunday or Monday or Thursday, whatever day it is, that we're not trying to compete and win every single game that we have an opportunity to play. And so rebuilding really isn't in our vocabulary. So we want to be able to put together a competitive team, but yet we have challenges in those areas. So it was about getting them to know the roster, getting in the building and really understanding everything that all the challenges that we had and Hey, let's, let's put together a roster, but still we have to make decisions really in these next couple of years, converting contracts and doing some things that you don't want to do. It's not good business operation, but in the next couple of years, we have to do that just to fill the 90 man roster, just to to sign your draft class. You're going to have to make some decisions you might not want to make, but we want to have balance and, and we want to make sure we can do our best to put together a competitive football team. So, yeah, we have to make some tough decisions and that's not going to change. Anytime you're in a leadership position, there's going to be some real difficult decisions. But we, we knew when we came in that, that we're coming here to put together a roster to go out and compete and win football games. And I'm sure when you're looking at the talent you guys have in the building, there's a temptation to not want to rebuild because there's a lot of talent, especially on offense. And after you guys draft Kyle Pitts, it even takes another step forward. But again, there are financial realities of this whole thing. So when you guys made the decision to trade Julio, what is the prevailing motivation there? What would you say is the number one reason you felt like you had to do that? Well, again, obviously a good player and we wish him success in the future. But look, there were other football players that that we moved on from as well, whether we um, players that that we had to cut or or, or players that that we decided not to resign. And again, outside looking in, that can be difficult sometimes, I would say, for fans and for me to to say, okay, why do we move on from this player? Why do we trade this player? Why do we cut this player? But when you have all the information in the building, then you understand why all, all these things happen. And but every decision we make, it is going to be for the betterment of the team, the betterment of the organization um, right now and in the future. And, and sometimes you want to, again, one of the great things about Arthur Smith is, is his mindset isn't where you'll get some people that they're just worried about this season, this game. And it's hard. You want to have tunnel vision. It's hard to see the big picture and understand that, 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 that big picture. Sometimes you can make a decisions that could hurt you right now, but they're going to help you big picture in the long run. And so with us, we're always going to make those decisions. We're trying to build a championship roster, a championship organization that's going to have sustained success. Not, we're not trying to get the very best team that we can get in 2021. We're trying to put together a team that's going to continue to win long term. And it's always going to be about team. It, it, it's never going to be about an individual unless we're talking about whether we're talking about the locker room or we're talking about someone on the staff or myself or it's, it's never going to be about one person. Look, this team, again, this team had won in the last three years. 
So we, we have to make changes. It's not about one person. It's going to be about the team. And, and we're going to put together a smart, tough, highly competitive football team. And, uh, and, and that's how we're going to win games. How do you think that decision benefits you in the long term? Is it financial? Is it giving other guys opportunities? Where do you th- see the hidden benefits of making a move like that? Well, it's 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 everything. I, I mean, it's again, I'm, I don't want to specifically focus on just making that decision because there are a lot of factors in that, that that everyone is just not fair. The way we operate, we're going to always be internal and keep things in house. So I can't always go through all the details of every decision we make. And I know you respect that. But it's one of those situations that when we looked at all the information and and this is what was best uh, for our team right now, and it's going to be best for our team in the future. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So when you're looking at what you guys are going to do at number four, obviously that balance of the present and the future again comes into play. Because a lot of people thought, will they take a quarterback because they're in a good position to do it when they might not be in the future. So when you right. were thinking about that timeline, when you made that decision, how did those two timelines come into play when you decided to take Kyle with the fourth pick? Yeah, so, so we spent a lot of time, uh, obviously, on the quarterbacks, and, and, and we weighed it and, and, uh, because I know that's where um, you always want to stack quarterbacks and you don't ever want to be picking in the top five again. So you have to consider every possibility. And we did. And, and we we always uh, we, we went and spent a lot of time on the quarterbacks, evaluating them. And this was a u- unique year with with three consecutive quarterbacks going one, two, three. And um, do you know when the last time that happened was? It was like decades ago. I, it was sometime so, in like the. Yeah, I, I can't even I'll remember you, when it was. It was 1999. It's the year I graduated from high school. So it was uh, Tim Couch, Donovan McNabb. Keely Smith, yep. one, two, three. And then there were two other quarterbacks that went around as well. It was Dante Culpepper went 11 and then Cade McCown. Cade McNow, went yeah, Cade McNown. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so you see the Bears it, helmet behind me. Trust me. I remember. I see it, man. I, yeah. see it. I know you're a Bears guy, man. <laughs> but um, but it, it was it, it's kind of unique for, for that to happen for quarterbacks to just come off the board the way they did. And 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 look, it's at the end of the day, you're you're not gonna just because you pick a quarterback in the first round doesn't mean they're going to be successful. Now, now you want to, um, obviously in our mindset, in our minds, we're always going to take the best player off the board. And, and that's how we see it. And that's how, and, and, and Kyle Pitts, we're very excited about him and, and we feel like he's going to, he's going to make an impact for us. And we're excited about that player. We weighed everything, whether we're talking about taking a quarterback, trading back, we weighed all the different possibilities and when we came down to it, where we were sitting there at four, we felt like he was the best 
the best player on the board. And, and that's our mindset. Now, look, right now we have, we have Matt and, and we love Matt and we're excited about Matt and, and, and his, his mindset, his work ethic and, uh, and, and, and just the way he competes and the passion that he has. We're excited about him. We have AJ and we have Felipe and, and that's our quarterback room. We're excited about it. And we're going to continue to add, we're always going to be looking to add quarterbacks and, and we're going to be looking to add at every other position. But when we sat there at four, man, we're really excited about getting Kyle Pitts in this building. One of the things I think part of the dialogue around that decision that I think is unfair to you guys is that you shouldn't pick a quarterback if you don't love them. Just because you have to have the opportunity to pick one in the top five, if your staff isn't in love with the guy and there isn't total organizational belief in whoever's there, you shouldn't just do it because you're picking in the top five. I think that's a route to a mistake. So I completely understand right. where if you the fact that three guys came off the board that just because you have the opportunity to do it, it doesn't make it the right decision. I completely understand where you're coming from with that. So right. with, oh, go ahead. Well, I, I was just about to say, yeah. And, and when you look at the history of the position, it, it is, it, it's, it's tough uh, for those guys. It's tough for any first round pick, but particularly at the quarterback position. So when you look at the history, there's a lot in the graveyard and yet it's about the, the team and, and where you are as a team. And, and, and so in another building, they could, from their perspective, they could see a certain quarterback or a certain position a different way. And so you just have to look at your building, uh, and where you are as a team and where we we are as a team, Kyle Pitts is the best player for us to pick at four. Now, if another team was sitting at four, they might have seen it differently, whether it's an offensive lineman or a quarterback or a different a receiver. But it's it's about us looking at our building and, and, and going through the process and doing what's best for the Falcons. And we really believe that was that's what was best for us. Not a lot of other teams that quote-unquote need quarterbacks have an MVP quarterback already in the building so you guys were in a slightly different situation <laughs> than some of those other kind of quarterback needy teams so with right. Kyle I'm really curious in the process of you guys talking about him when do you think you really zeroed in on him what do you think was the timeline and what do you think was the ultimate reason that you're like you know what that's him that is the guy yeah well we just continue to go through the process and it's, it's a rare position to be in being at four and, and, and really having a good feeling for what's going to happen in front of you because we really did have a good feeling about that. And so that's just a unique situation to be so in. So strange. I mean, it's unprecedented. It's, it's so weird. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And so, and but the entire process, he, he did check every box because obviously he has a rare skill set and, and and we love, we love the skill set. We love what he can do. And every time, every exposure we had to him, when you, when you meet him and spend time with him, He's, he's got the right makeup. He's only 20 years old, but definitely one of the more mature 20 year olds I've ever been around. And, and he's a worker, it, just the way his presence and he's one of those guys that was raised the right way. So when you have that skill set combined with with the makeup, then you feel like that person is going to really be able to reach their ceiling. So I would say what really solidified it for us. Uh, that what told us that, hey, if we're sitting here at four and the, the things that happen that we expect to happen, we're taking him. I would say the man that he is really solidified that for us. So every time we met him, we felt good about it. Was there a moment, either a game you watched, a play you watched, a conversation you had with your scouting staff that was particularly pivotal that's kind of stuck with you? Um, I, I, I wouldn't say that. I would say the consistency of it, though, yeah. whether you're talking yeah, any about any game you throw on is probably yeah. going to do that for you. Yes, I, I would say that there was a real consistency about, it. like you say, any game you put on, any any workout, 
any any meeting with him and and we have so many people involved in the process with the coaches and and the, the player development department we have so many people that are involved in the process and there was a consistency about the player and, and and there was any time whether we're talking about the man he is the makeup or we're talking about the skill set and the player he is there was a consistency about it do you feel like because he's so unique when it comes to his skill set that you guys had a hard time doing historical comparisons or understanding appropriate value just because he's so different than essentially every prospect that's come along in the past 10 years? Yeah, he is unique. It, it is hard to it is hard to, to to draw comparisons to him and and to put him in a box and say he's a tight end or he's a big receiver. It, it was really hard to draw comparisons to him, but it, what made the process, I don't want to say easy, but when you have a, a head coach that that is your he's your he's your play caller and and that he's when he's very convicted on something and the coaching staff's very convicted and the scouting staff is very convicted when everyone is, then you feel really good about it. But I would say that that hearing the head coach and uh, talk about the ways that he could use him and, and, and what he's going to do for him on offense when he's the one that's calling the plays, uh, that, that really makes a difference. What sort of specificity is there in those conversations? Does it happen on a whiteboard? Is it like, this is where he's going to line up? Does it get that granular when you guys are talking about it? it? Okay. Yeah, it does. It, 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 it gets, it gets that deep. It, it's from the whiteboard to just watching film and just, um, yeah, we, we really get down to it. You spend so many time, so much time with these guys and, and it's kind of when you're talking about it, you see people's eyes light up and that, that gets you really excited. <laughs> I'm sure in your first year, that excitement and again, that organizational buy in, that's important. You want to feel like, especially when it's the first pick you're going to make, that everyone's moving in the same direction on it just to get things yeah. started on the right foot. Yes, 100%. You, you want to you draft class, whether you're talking about the draft or you're talking about free agents, you want to bring in people that you are highly passionate about and that you feel really good about. And there was such a good, uh, such good communication between the coaches and between the staff. And, and, and when you, when you're really passionate about the players that you're bringing in, you feel really good about them. There's an, there's a real excitement about it. That's awesome. Uh, you couldn't be. And cause sometimes it's not, uh, I mean, sometimes you'll have players or, or decisions that you make and, and everyone's not always going to be on the same page. And that's what you want. You want people that are going to give their, their opinions. You, you don't want groupthink. You don't want yes, man. And I believe we have that in our building. We have people that are going to give their opinions or well-researched opinions. And so when everyone is on the same page, I think those are unique opportunities. And this was definitely one of them. So I want to ask you a little bit about your time in New Orleans, because for the past few years, you guys went on a heater when it came to personnel. I mean, if you look at all the decisions stacked up, there's maybe one or two misfires in both the draft and free agency over a several-year period, which is rare in this business. It does not come along very often. So I wanted to ask you, over that stretch, maybe starting in like 2017 and moving forward, what's the most important lesson you learned about that success and what fueled that success? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say some of the things that some of the best things I learned in New Orleans that it really is about makeup. And and when I say makeup, I'm talking about personal character of who the people really are as human beings. You you, you want good people, and then and football character. And and when I say football character, I'm talking about they love the game, they love to watch film, they love the process, they they, they, they want to they they love the weight room, and they love all those areas. So 
when you bring in the right character, then you, you got a better chance. And sometimes you are going to take some chances because we've all made mistakes. I'm not, and, and, and so you're going to have some guys that have made some mistakes along the way, but yet they're, they're trending in the right direction and they love ball and they're passionate about what they do. And, and not just with football players, but with, with everything from staff to coaches, you want, you want the right makeup. And I would say in New Orleans, we always focus on that makeup. We knew exactly what we were bringing in the building. And, and that's why even here, we focus on that smart, tough, highly competitive. We know the type of team we want to build. So we're going to spend a lot of time focus on, focusing on that makeup and make, making sure you're going to have the right character of the locker room. And we always talk about in New Orleans, you don't want the best 53. You want the right 53. And, and that's something that so early on with my conversations with Arthur Smith, and with him talking about the right 53 and with him talking about the types of teams that he wants to build, that's, I think, where we really were on the same page with that. And that really drew us to each other. So I would say a, a lot of look, they do a great job from Sean Payton, Mickey Loomis. They're two great leaders that, that have different, unique styles with, with Mickey being a, one of the more patient, just uh, one of the better <laughs> listeners been around and just his. His, um, I've learned so much about him with in terms of servant leadership and just the way he operates, and and he's the best in the business. And then you take Sean Payton, who's one of the more who is not like that, <laughs> and he, he'll literally do whatever he can to win. It, it, yeah. and, and there are no boundaries, and there there are no so being around both of those great men and great leaders, and 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 really getting to learn from them. And the way they work together, just like with me and Arthur Smith, we have a great partnership. And, and from the very beginning, we knew that's what it was. It's a partnership. And, and we discuss everything. We talk about everything. And, and, and I believe in uh, I learned that in New Orleans. It's a partnership and it's about doing it together. And, and it's about making sure you have the right people and you focus on those people and, and the personal and, and the football makeup and make sure you're being, bringing the right people in the building. One of the things I think it's underrated about Sean is just how good he is at identifying talent and his traits as a personnel evaluator. What do you think is his biggest strength when he looks at the types of players he wants to add to his roster? Well, he, he just he just wants to have a clear vision. And, and again, he's communicating with with everyone in the building and and obviously Mickey being the same way. And it's just about having that clear vision. So you have to have a plan with whatever you're doing. You have to have a clear plan for uh, how this player is going to succeed, how they're going to fit in. And you're not just adding a collection of athletes. You want to have a clear vision of how you're going to utilize those players. So there's a lot of discussion that goes into it. And and it's, a, it's an inclusive process in New Orleans, and we have an inclusive process in Atlanta. And I think so anytime you're bringing players in, you have to be on the same page. You have to have a clear vision for those players. The, feel, the fact that Sean is an offensive play caller who's also the head coach, do you think your experience with him – helps inform the way you want to work with Arthur because it's pretty much the same situation. Well, it's, I would say this about Arthur Smith. He's the, yes, he's the offensive coordinator and that's cool when we're talking about offensive players, but man, Arthur is a, to be a head coach is he's not an offensive coordinator trying to be a head coach. Arthur Smith is a leader. He's a leader of man. And so it's it's been really cool with every decision, whether even when we're talking about offensive decisions, he's not going to just make a decision because he's the offensive play caller, not involved. Dave Ragone and, and whichever uh, position we're talking about, that position coach. And and, and he's going to just like he involves uh, Dean and Marquise. If we're talking about defense or special teams, 
he's the same way with offensive coaches. So the way, and I've said it before, he's one of the smartest people I've ever been around. But the cool thing about him is that humility he has and the way that he does involve everyone in the process. So he's confident, but he's yet he's humble and he involves every, everyone in that decision making. So I would say I, I don't I don't really feel like I'm, I'm talking to a, a guy that was an offensive coordinator last year. I feel like I'm talking to someone that's been leading a great organization for a long time. So he, he's well, well, he, he's way, way past his experience in, in that regard as a leader. The last thing I wanted to ask you about, because I think it's one of the best free agent signings of the last decade, especially when you're talking about non-quarterbacks, is you guys getting Demario Davis in New Orleans, because I think it's such an indication of the types of talent and where you guys found it with the Saints. What was it about Demario Davis? What were the boxes that he checked that drew you guys to him in the process? Yeah, well, he was, number one, he's a he's a great man, and and, and we go back to it and, and we talk about but he he really is a a great man and I, I wish him success. He, he's going to have a lot of success after football because he really is a great human being that loves ball. And, and we talked about inclusive processes and making sure everyone's involved and looking at the overlaps and, and in New Orleans, there was an overlap. Aaron Glenn was with him in, in New York. And so he knew the man that he was and he, and, and we always want to get all that information. And he spoke highly of him as a man. And it's, it's not, magic you look at him he's fast he's athletic he's physical he's tough and he's a, he's a good dude i mean you go back and look at the tape the the the, the years prior prior to new orleans signing him it, it was really good I, I mean 100 plus tackles and leading inside backers and sacks and so he's a really good football player and a really good person so there's really no magic in it and you sign him and and credit to to uh, Dennis Allen and and uh, he, he does a good job just like Dean Pease does putting players in position to to be successful and, and that's a big part of uh, a big part of it when you talk about player acquisition and people talk about talent evaluation and and being able to identify talent but there's always two parts of it whether you're talking about college players or, or pro players it's about having the right staff and the right situation to put them in position to be successful to to, to help them develop and and that's what I'm so excited about in Atlanta because uh, uh, because of our head coach and and because of our, we we have great talent evaluators, but we also have authors put together a great staff that is going to be able to uh, develop those players and put them in the best situations to succeed and and get them prepared for games because it's really two parts of it. So with Demario in, in in New Orleans, he was he had the skill set, he had the makeup, and then. Dennis and, and the staff did a great job putting him in, in position to be successful. And, and that's what we plan to do here with, with anyone we sign. It helps when you're on the personnel side and everyone you add to a roster consistently becomes the best version of themselves like they did in New Orleans. It helps you guys look pretty good all the time. No, you're right. And, and that's really what we're trying to do, right? We're yeah. trying to get those players and, and, and really make them the, the best version of themselves. And 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 when you focus on the makeup, because that's with, with our free agents, it was a really fun offseason because obviously we didn't have money. And so anytime we talk to an agent or a player, we lead off with, hey, we have no money, but but we have a great culture and and we want you to be a part of something special. And so when players signed here, we didn't have to worry about players signing here just for the money and they were going to turn it in and, and they didn't want to the players that signed here like they wanted to come be a part of something special and. And, and, and they really fit the profile that we were looking for. So it was a, it was a fun offseason, and that's our plan. Our plan is to get the best versions, versions of them and, 
and get the best of um uh get the best of them on again Sundays, Mondays, Thursdays, whenever it is. When you guys sign a guy like Mike Davis, do you have Arthur say like this is how we use Derrick Henry? This is what you can be in that offense. Is it that clear and that kind of open with it? Well, no, I, I would say one thing that 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 Arthur's really good about is is he never wants to compare players to previous players and, and really put that on them. So so he doesn't want to put that type of expectation. We want Mike Davis to be Mike Davis. And and obviously we have certain things that we see that that he can do. And yet now we get him in the building and and let's really figure out what works best for him and how we're going to utilize him or our Cordero Patterson or or all this. Like we really figure out, hey, how we're going to use these players once we get him in the building. So author, he, he, he never he never really points to. And, and we watch some Tennessee Titans tape just because that's the film that he's had over the previous years, but he's very clear when he's talking to the staff or talking to the players that, hey, I don't expect anyone to try to be a, a player that that he had in Tennessee or he's not trying to duplicate or, uh, or one of those players. He's really He really wants each player, like you said earlier, to be the best version of themselves. And sometimes it takes getting the player. We know what we like about the player, but then once you really get around him, get him in the building and spend a lot of time with him, you, you know what works best for them. And, and obviously that's what, off season and training camp and all that's for. Awesome. Well, I could do this for a long time, but I know that your time is valuable. So I sincerely appreciate you taking the time out to do this. It really means a lot. It was a great conversation. Congratulations on the gig. I, you're somebody that I think your name came up consistently over the years for good reason, because you've certainly earned it. So best of luck with you guys this season in Atlanta and going forward. And I appreciate you. Can I ask you a question really quick? Sure. So I obviously know to the right of you, you got the Bears, but it's a little blurry on your left. I can't tell what that helmet is. That's my high school football helmet. That's great, man. What yeah, high school yeah, yeah. is it? Barrington High School and outside of Chicago. So they gave us that when we graduated. I mean, that thing is now – I graduated in 06, so it's now 15 years old. But our staff is still there. Like my head coach is still there. My offensive line coach is still there. So I still go back and visit and talk to them and watch the games and stuff. It's a nice little family that they've built there. So what, what, what position did you play? I played offensive defensive line. Nice. Yeah. Nice, it's man. A little, little bigger than I am now or little, yeah, I was a little bigger than I am now. I played at like two thirty, <laughs> So it's, it's not living at two thirty these days. Thankfully. That, that's so cool. I mean, I, I have my high school helmet. In the, I have my high school helmet and my college helmet in the background in, in my office, and, and I have it kind of in – like when I did my first interview with Atlanta um, and, and actually my press conference as well, I had my helmets in the background. And, and it's, it's funny, like people don't realize high school ball, man. I, I, I still remember like a lot of the best lessons I've learned from coaches came from my high school coaches, you know, and it, it's really cool. It's, it's one of those things that even on – uh, on Fridays, I always find a high school game to go to, you know, because that's just it's just it's the purity of the game. And, and that's when I fell in love with football, um, playing high school ball, man. So uh, I appreciate you having that helmet back there. No, I, I feel the exact same way. I mean, a lot of just formative lessons, relationships. I mean, guys that lifelong friends to this day solely because when you play with a guy, it just changes the way you interact with them. The bond is just different than you'd have with anybody else. It's special. And I, my, my, uh, my high school offensive line coach was my psych teacher in my senior year, my second semester. If you got an A or a B in your classes, you didn't have to take your finals. And I just slacked the whole semester. I did no work. I did nothing. And he gave me a C plus and he made me take the final. 
He was like my second so dad awesome, and he made me take it. And it's just that type of thing has stuck with me is that he would just never, ever let me cut a corner ever. And that's the type of stuff that doesn't go away. You appreciate that 15 years later when you think about it. That's really cool, man. I, I agree with you hundred percent. Awesome. Thank you very, very much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you, man. Talk to you later. All right, guys, that's all we got. That's all we got from the off season interview series as a whole eight episodes. I learned a lot. I'm so glad we did that. It was a lot of fun, really informative. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We will be back next Wednesday. It's me and a couple of my fantasy friends. We're going to do a big fantasy blowout as fantasy draft season gets started here. So please come back and check that out. Please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. I would sincerely appreciate that. Also, please Subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash football show. I will be writing early next week. It's been a while, but I will be doing that early next week. We'll be ramping that up as we get going with camp, so please go check that out. Please enjoy your weekend. It's the summer. Get outside. Do something fun. We'll talk to you guys later. This was The Athletic Football Show.